Hebrews chapter 13. Our text this morning is found in the verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. This morning we are speaking about the unchangeableness of the Lord Jesus Christ. What theologians call the immutability of Christ. I like it how Paul brings in both names here. Jesus Christ. It is putting great significance on the text. He only does that three times in the epistle to the Hebrews. And every time it is with significance. So he's telling us to perk up our ears. To give our whole undivided attention to what he is saying about this person. He's bringing to us the glory of that person. Who is called Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the heart of the gospel. Whenever we hear this name, we are hearing the good news. That is what the gospel is. It begins, it continues with, it ends with one person. Jesus Christ. Whenever Matthew and Mark commence their gospels, that's how they commence with that name, Jesus Christ. Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. And so when these two names come together, there is being set before us the sum and substance of the glorious good news in this one person, Jesus Christ. Christ. There is no mistaking who he is. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him. Him alone, him crucified. He also said, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Everywhere the name comes together, it is always with great significance. His centrality, his importance. Jesus Christ is the heart of it all, the sum and substance of the gospel. The good news is a person. But who is Jesus Christ? Or some might put it, what is Jesus Christ? Well, here's the answer of the Christian church. Here is the apostolic answer. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and unto the eternal ages. Now, no other name could go in here. None whatsoever. No mere man's name can be placed here. It is not Jesus Christ and someone else, 
No, it is Jesus Christ alone. He only has this uniqueness. And that uniqueness is that he is always the same. Those are the words to underline the same. Always the same. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, as far into the ages of eternity as you care to go, the same. The words actually occur in the centre of the original and literally the text records Jesus Christ yesterday and today the same and to the ages. Always the same. Now that can't be said of anything else. Anything visible or material. Everything changes. Everything is never the same. Not the same. It was a fundamental principle among the ancient philosophers, even before Christ came into the world, that all things change and nothing remains the same. Nothing. And history teaches us, and our own experience teaches that everything changes. How much has changed from you were a little fella or a small girl? You've changed. Kingdoms have changed. The great empires have changed. They've disappeared. They're only in the history books. And it'll be the same of the present empires of this earth. They all change. Circumstances change. Our bodies change. Our mind changes. Our hearts change. Nothing is the same around us or even about us. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day, the poet said. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. And change is a good thing. Because... If there was no change, we sinners couldn't be changed. Sinners and saints change, and change is essential for us. And we trust and pray that through Jesus Christ that change is great and glorious. And that's what repentance is, which is most necessary for us as sinners. It is to change. It is to not be the same, but to change, to repent and turn. And salvation that this person brings, he who does not change, changes us. Salvation changes us. Sanctification changes us. Glorification changes us. It is in God's marvelous grace that the church is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. She is heading to something better, something more beautiful, something more glorious, and the glory of it shall never cease to intensify and increase. The church will change always to the better unto the ages of ages. 
But Jesus Christ, always the same. He has the permanence. Everything moves, but the first cause is unmoved and immovable. Jesus Christ, always the same, always the best, always the greatest, always the sweetest, the same. This verse is perhaps the most quoted verse in the epistle to the Hebrews. But it is not always the most understood. And sometimes it is taken out of its context and misapplied. You can't go to a sorrowing woman whose brother has been four days in the tomb and say, look, Jesus raised Lazarus. He did that yesterday. He's the same today and he can do that today for you. That's a misapplication of this text. He is not the same in his works and dealings. They vary. His providence varies. His actions vary. There is a variation of his dealings. There's a variation of his manifestations in creation and providence. But he, the person, is always the same. Isn't that what this epistle is about? The glory of Jesus Christ setting before us his preeminence, his greatness. Paul is always fixing our attention on Christ. He's always calling us to consider him. He's always calling us to look on to Jesus. He's always pointing him out as greater than angels. The great high priest above all other high priests. The great prophet. His great sacrifice. His once for all offering. Paul is wanting his hearers in this homily to always be saying we see Jesus. But he wants them to see the true Jesus. And if there's one thing that stands out about the true Jesus in this epistle, it is that he is the same. Though now in glory at the right hand of God, the same. It didn't change him, his ascension, his going in beyond the veil, into the holy place. It didn't change him. Though he received glory and honor, and there were things about him that changed, he didn't change. He's uniquely unchangeable. And this is not the first time that Paul has said it. He's closing the homily now. And he's closing the homily with these words about the Lord Jesus. The same. But you will remember also in the first chapter. That's how he commenced it. Because he quoted Psalm 102. That psalm that we read together. Thou Lord in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish. But thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up. And they shall be changed. But thou art the same. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 12. Thou art the same. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ the same. 
He begins as he ends and he ends as he commences, bringing to us the immutable Christ. Everything changes. The universe changes. The heavens change. They're changed. In the new heavens and the new earth, in the redemption of that day that is to dawn, they are changed, not destroyed. Redeemed and changed. But thou art the same. Not the Lord. Paul, of course, is saying that Jesus Christ is God. That's as clear a statement as you'll ever find in the Bible. This can only be said of God. And Psalm 102 that Paul quotes is about Jehovah. And yet Paul is clearly applying that to the Son of God. Jesus Christ is God, true God of true God, very God, ever the same. Now the opponents of Christianity, of course, they they mock this verse, Jesus Christ the same. They say, he is a man, is he not? He was a baby once, was he not? He was in the manger once and he he couldn't talk and he cried and he he needed his nappy change like every other baby. And he grew in wisdom and stature, knowledge, became a man. Did not his humanity undergo change? Did he not live and die like us all? Did he not possess a changing and a changeable humanity? Indeed he did. Indeed he did. He had to enter into that. Otherwise we could not be changed. We could not be redeemed. But the Son of God in the unity of his one divine person cannot change. He became what he was not and yet not change. In the mystery of the incarnation. He can take body and soul, a human nature, human flesh, become man, human will and all of that. He can take all of that and be true man and is still the eternal Son of God, the same person now manifested in flesh, changing flesh. But he changes not. He takes a creature nature necessary for our redemption, but he changes not. And in that creature nature changing is our salvation. Now the unity of the two natures, human and divine, in the person of the Son of God, is not able to be comprehended by us. He is not two persons. He is one person who took to himself another nature. In the mystery of the incarnation, it's a miracle. Yes, it's a miracle. How can the eternal word be made flesh? It's a miracle that cannot be explained. It is believed. And it is wondered at. But it is not fathomed. 
The God-man is worshipped, not fathomed. We are sure he who was incarnate is still the same as he was before, even though he was incarnate. Not incarnate before, now incarnate forever, yet the same. The same person of the Son of God. I cannot explain it. I try to sound its depths. I try to imagine and fathom as I read of the complexity of this person in the Gospels. I, I try to fathom how the divine person has become man. I cannot. But I know that he did. And it was most necessary for my salvation. Indeed, it is all my salvation. And he didn't just become man to die, though that is the heart of it and very important. He became man to join the creature to God. In a marvelous communion and fellowship that will go on into all eternity. Which the devil's are so jealous of. Before Abraham was, that aging man said, I am. I am. And now still at the right hand of God in his glorified humanity, I am. Always the same. Now, a feeble illustration perhaps, it is failing in many respects, and I don't want it to be taken away out of all contexts, it's far more complex than this. But I take a car, get into the car, use a car, travel in a car. I and the car are one in a sense, but I'm not, I'm not changed by the car. I am the same in the car as I was prior to that, Prior to being joined to the car, I'm the same. The changing car does not change me. And that's true of Jesus Christ. Now, a human nature is far more complex than a car. A human nature has will. He had a human will, a changing human will. He had volition as a man. Complex. It's not just that he got into a human body like getting into a car. No, he assumed it in all its humanity. A human nature is body and soul, will and volition, intelligence, growing intelligence. Any creature becoming man would be changed. The creature would change who became man and would have to be changed in becoming man, but not God. God can assume the nature, the changing nature, and not change. Not change. A divine person can take to himself a human nature and become man and not be another person, but the same person with two natures now for our salvation. 
And I know this is so concerning Jesus Christ because it's what the Bible teaches. And I believe it and confess it, though I cannot understand it. I bow before it and I worship him, the God-man. As Athanasius said, the great champion of the Incarnation and the supreme and absolute deity of Jesus Christ over that rascal Arius who made Christ a creature, who although he be God and man, yet is not two, but one Christ. One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by the taking of the manhood into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person, one person, Jesus Christ, the same. The same. As our catechism teaches us, God and man, two natures, one person, one person forever, the same, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the same. The unchangeable person. Now notice the context in which the Apostle brings in this word. It seems so out of place. And it has kind of mystified me. Verse 7 is before it. Remember them which have the rule over you. Have spoken unto you the word of God. Whose faith follow. Considering the end of their conversation. Is verse 8 joined to verse 7? Or is verse 8 a new thought? And joined to verse 9. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines. Or is it a wee thought just shooting in here on its own? What is the connection? Why does Paul bring it in at all? The immutable Christ. Why is he emphasizing it at this point? I think we do have to remember that what Paul is doing at, at the start of this chapter, which I made known to you last week, he's giving mandates of the Christian life and how we are to live as Christian pilgrims, and how we should behave as believers, in brotherly love and all of that. And as he, he does so, he comes down to the elders and the word of God that they bring, verse 7, who bring on to you the word of God. And you're to pray for them and to remember them because of that. They bring on to you the word of God. And then in verse 9, don't be carried about with divers doctrines and strange doctrines. It's a good thing for the heart to be established. That's at the other side. So we talk about the word of God, them bringing you the word of God, remember them. And then on the other side, avoid these changing doctrines, these alien doctrines. And between these two thoughts, Jesus Christ, the unchanging one. Whenever he talks about strange and foreign doctrines, he describes them as having two characteristics. They're many, divers, numerous, numerous and different, numerous and always changing, changing from one to another. And people can be carried off by them in all directions. And that's the danger, that you be carried off by all these changing doctrines, these strange doctrines that are always coming and going and the devil's bringing them in and people are corrupting Christian doctrines and people are being carried off by them in different directions. And another characteristic of them is that they are alien, they're foreign. They're alien to the word of God. They don't belong to the word of God. They're foreign to the word of God. They're new doctrines. 
They're immigrant doctrines, so to speak. They come in from a foreign place, not from the word of God, but from abroad, from somewhere else, maybe from hell perhaps, but they're alien, they're foreign, they're strange. What's the answer? Are we going to be carried off by all of these things? Are we going to remember the men of God who bring to us the word of God and the substance of the word that they bring to you is this glorious person who is the same, who never changes. So don't get caught up in this and that and a little whim and a wee doctrine that comes here and there blow it out of all proportion. We are to be taken up with Jesus Christ. That's why I'm not a great believer in issues. Always preaching about issues. Always dealing with issues. Yeah, they're important. But I preach Jesus Christ. And him crucified. He's the answer to every issue. The unchanging Christ. This glorious being. The God man. At the right hand of the throne of grace into whose presence we have the privilege of going. The same. He's the one. He's not new. He's not alien. He's not foreign. He is the word of God that the men of God bring to you. And people come and go. People are carried away. And even your overseers are not the same. They age. Today they're old. Tomorrow they're in the grave. You're only left with Jesus Christ. And he's enough. He's enough. I'll be away. I'll be buried. There'll be another generation. I'll be utterly forgotten. But he must increase. All that bring the word of God decrease. He alone is the same. Jesus Christ. One doctrine. One word. One supreme theme. One thing needful. Jesus Christ. You see as Christian pilgrims. And that's the whole context of this. As strangers and sojourners in the world. We face a lot of uncertainty don't we? A lot of change. Circumstances change. Society changes. Sickness comes and changes us. The body changes. Persecution arises. Everything is changing as we go through life. And what terrible changes we have seen as a society and nation. And we wonder where it is going and how it will end. But here is our comfort. Jesus Christ. Always the same. Bless his holy name. This person is immutable. So don't give up on him. Don't turn away from him. Keep on believing on him. Keep on trusting in him. Keep on looking to him. Keep on clinging to him. Him. Paul is not only saying that Christ as to his person is unchangeable. He's also saying that he is the same always in his purpose of love for the church. You see, Paul doesn't just say the Son of God the same. That, of course, is true. He doesn't say God is the same. That, of course, is true. But he says Jesus Christ the same. 
the incarnate one who makes us his body. The same. Jesus was his birth name. Christ is the name of his office. His immutability in our salvation. I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. His immutability is necessary so that we are not consumed by our sins and by our backslidings. As our Savior, as our Mediator, He is the same. The same who came into the world as left it, and He came into the world for us and He left it for us. The same love, the same desire to His people, The same now in heaven at God's right hand as he ever lives to make intercession for us. The same as he comes back again to receive us. That same love, that same purpose of desire for his redeemed. Always the same. He loves us the same. Always. Now the circumstances of his humanity have changed. We know that. From the manger to the throne of God, that's some change for the humanity of Jesus Christ. But the same love that made him to become man is the same that he now possesses as man in heaven for us. Still the same high priest, yesterday dying on the cross, today interceding at God's right hand, Tomorrow coming for us and in the ages of all eternity dwelling among his people, the same high priest. The same prophet as Christ, coming in the flesh and preaching to men, and now coming by his Spirit and making known to us as he does this morning the Word of God, still the same prophet, making known to us himself. He doesn't change. And in eternity he shall ever be the light shining upon us, giving to us the increased knowledge of God through him. Always the same prophet. Always the same king. With a crown of thorns on his brow yesterday. With a crown of glory now on his head at God's right hand. And in the ages to come, all crowns of his people that they have bestowed upon him His crowns change, but he is the same, the same king, the same king. Worlds without end, the same love, the same power, the same resolve, always the same to his people. And that's why verses 5 and 6 are true. And perhaps the apostle is, is drawing attention to this. Be content with such things as you have. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We can boldly say, the Lord is our helper. Why can we say this? Why can we say he's always our helper? Why can we say we know he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Because he's the same. His word is the same. He doesn't change his word. The same in faithfulness and truthfulness. He will not go back one jot or one tittle of his word. He says heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall not pass away. My word like myself the same. The same. The implication is 
if Jesus does not change, then we must not change unless it's an improving and bettering change in our resolve to trust him and to seek him. No being carried away from him. No change. We are to be the same in believing in him and coming to him and seeking him. The same immutable resolve as we had when we first believed in him, it's to continue. We are to say, this God is my God forever and ever. He will be my guide even unto death. No change in me in regard to this. Always my trust. Always my faith. Always my devotion. Always looking to him. We also should be the same. Always the same towards sinners too. Who repent and believe in him and who come to him. Always receiving them. Who says, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Lord, remember me. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Always the same towards sinners. Who will come to him. Come to him, sinner. You will find it's the same saviour. Who received the woman at the well? Who received Zacchaeus as he looked down from the tree? Who received Paul in his mad career to destroy the church of Jesus Christ? The same Saviour. This man receiveth sinners. He will receive you because he is the same. To him be endless glory and all praise. Let his name be exalted and extolled ever among us and may his grace never leave us. Let us pray.